covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us. It is another week's worth of Brewers talk, another extended conversation on this week's program. And uh, for really the first time in a while, I feel like maybe there is some true light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe more truth to that is we kind of know how long the tunnel might be. Uh, up until recently, everything had kind of been just a, a, a hypothesis here, an idea there on when the Major League Baseball season might get started. Now there seems to be some information on when at least Major League Baseball would like to start the season, and we'll talk more about that coming up in just a moment. As always, we'll start out the program with our normal housekeeping items. If you want to reach out to me, you can do so via Twitter, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And also, if you are somebody who listens to this podcast on Apple Podcast and you want to leave a ranking and review and also subscribe to the podcast if you don't already, I would uh, very much appreciate that. All right, so our featured guest this week, this is a uh, this is a fun one for me, and I think you'll enjoy it as well, especially if you are a fan of listening to the Brewers on the radio. And if you're listening to this podcast, there is a pretty good chance that you would fall into that category, as this is part of the uh, WTMJ mobile network. Kent Sommerfeld is going to join us uh, this week. Now, you don't hear from him very often. He is the network engineer for the Brewers Radio Network, but you hear his name on essentially every single broadcast. He is there in the booth, and he is a very, very, very important part of the broadcast, and uh, we're going to talk with Kent coming up in just a few moments here on Brewers X-Trains, the podcast. want to get into very quickly, though, kind of this week's edition of what happened in the last week in terms of when baseball might be returning. It, we do this every week, and every week it seems like there's uh, some different things that are going on. So Major League Baseball is going to reportedly be handing out a proposal to restart baseball at uh, at some point this upcoming week, maybe as early as Monday. So it may have already happened by the time you are actually listening to this podcast. Now, According to Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic and Fox Sports, the details from the proposal would be a uh, truncated season of about 80 games. It would begin in early July, and teams would only face division rivals and the same geographic division from the other league to keep all games regional. So that means the Brewers would be playing their NL Central opponents and also the American American League Central opponents as well. Uh, Teams would open up the season in as many home parks as possible without fans, but they'd like to be playing in home parks. For the teams that cannot get into their home ballparks, it's not completely clear what would happen if you would just go play 
on the road if you're playing against a team that can be in their home ballpark. In terms of home field advantage, yes, there is one playing in your home ballpark, but without fans in the stands, the the home field advantage is not quite as pronounced. Uh, There certainly is still an opportunity to use some hub cities and to use spring training facilities and things like those because I I think it's safe to say, maybe it's not safe to say, I don't think anything's safe to say at this point, but I would be surprised. I would be surprised if every single Major League Baseball team on July 1st would be allowed to play games even without fans inside of their home ballparks. I just think there's going to be places like New York. There's going to be you know, the the entire state of California. There's just going to be areas that that's not going to be allowed. So how they're going to play through that, maybe some more details will uh, come out as we go through the course of the next week or so. There would be an expanded postseason format that would send seven teams to the playoff per league. Uh, This had already been rumored was going to be something that could potentially happen moving forward anyways. And uh, I believe the way that would work is a a buy basically for one team uh, through that first round, which would be a a three-game series. And also, according to uh, Joel Sherman of the New York Post, the designated hitter would be used in both leagues to uh, spare pitchers from additional fatigue and wear and tear. And you would be playing a lot of quote-unquote interleague games because you would be playing games against, again, just your division and the other division as well. Now, something to keep an eye on. Let me read a tweet from John Heyman. Quote, Owners will seek less than prorated pay for players and, in fact, are uh, adamant that they will not pay prorated money, saying losses would be too steep. One possible proposal, a 50-50 revenue split. Player side has been adamant about the prorated money. Something has to give. All right, so let me... You may completely understand what was said there. Let me break that down a little bit for maybe if you... Because this is a big deal, and this is... I, I do think... I don't think this is going to stop a baseball season. There would be no worse look than our country to be going through what it's going through right now and Major League Baseball players and owners, a bunch of billionaires and millionaires uh, getting kind of... uh, haggling over money like that that is a public relations nightmare and I don't think it's going to happen but what I do think is going to happen is there's going to be some very hard discussions that are going to have to take place in the arrangement that had previously been agreed upon basically major league baseball players are going to get a prorated salary for games that were being played this year so if 81 games are played say they would get 50 percent pay because that's one half of 162 games the owners don't want to pay that much money when that was agreed upon originally part of the idea of that plan and things were a little bit different then than they are now um i think major league baseball owners thought at that point that you'd either be playing with fans in the stands or not playing at all I don't think they really truly were considering the idea of playing games without fans. So when you don't have fans in the stands, when you might not even be playing in your home ballpark, the money you've got coming in is TV money. And that's not anything to sneeze at, don't get me wrong. And I'm not trying to uh, portray the owners as these individuals that are you know, going to be in line for unemployment. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But there is going to be less revenue coming in, and owners seem to be pumping the brakes 
on how much money they want to pay players uh, because of that. Now, one thing that is worth noting, you know, in a in a market like Milwaukee, the you don't get as much TV money because it's a smaller market. So the fans that come through those turnstiles, attendance means so much more, and the the money that is spent at the ballpark and, and the, the parking, like everything. Like that means so much more to a team like the Brewers than it does for a team like the Yankees, like the Mets, like the Dodgers, like the Cubs, like whatever the big markets are because they have so much more television money uh, coming in. So that's something that's got to be worked out as well. But the idea of the, uh, the revenue split, the 50-50 revenue split, is that they would basically – Take the money that is being brought in from a revenue standpoint. Half of it would stick with the owners, and then the other half of it would go to the players. And I guess it would just—I'm probably going to really simplify things here. But if if player X accounts for 23% of a team's roster payroll, then they'll get 23% of whatever that 50-50 split is. I'm sure it'd be more complicated than that, but that seems to be the route that the owners want to go down. Watch this, see where it goes. Again, I I really don't think this would cause baseball not to be played, but I also don't think this is going to result in a pleasant resolution between the two sides. It's just something that is going to... um, it's going to take some time to work through, and I think each side is going to dig in a little bit. And from a player standpoint, the other side of it is there's there seems to be at least some people who are of the belief that they're putting themselves in harm's way. By playing baseball, they're coming out of this bubble, they're going to the ballpark, whatever it might be, They are there's a higher risk now for them potentially contracting the coronavirus. So they're being asked to put themselves in harm's way and then being asked to take even less money than they've already agreed upon and not get paid basically the per-game salary that they would have been paid previously. So just something to watch out for. It always comes back to money, right? Like The answer is always money. And certainly the answer is money on this one. But all that being said, early July, maybe as soon as July 1st, baseball could be back being played. Spring training 2.0, mid to early June. So a month from now, a month from now, we could be talking about spring training 2.0. And that would be good. That That would be fantastic if they are able to get that done, assuming they're able to do it in a safe manner. But as long as they can get that done, it's good for all of us. If you're listening to this podcast, pretty good chance that you want baseball to be played sooner than later. All right, as mentioned, uh, our featured guest this week is the engineer on the Brewers Radio Network. Uh, Just fantastic guy beyond uh, being very good at what he does. He is one of the best guys that you are ever going to uh, get the opportunity to meet or talk to if you do ever get that opportunity. Super good guy. We welcome in uh, Kent Sommerfeld right now. Hey, Kent, how are you? Thank you so much for uh, taking a little bit of time. 
I'm good, man. How are you? I am good. Uh, this is fun to uh, to talk to you, and I think you know I get questions occasionally from people because everybody hears from you, everybody hears from Jeff and Lane. Your name is on every single Brewers radio broadcast, but it is the rare occasion where where people hear from you. Is that ever kind of a an odd thing for you because you are such a big part of the broadcast and your name is out there so often, yet you don't have a spoken word part more often than not? Yeah, no, I'm usually keeping my mic off, although I do have the ability to turn it on. But very, very rare time that that really does happen. But, yeah, it, it's a little different. It's, it's weird because, like, when you, you're out and about and you get introduced to somebody and they say, hey, this is a friend or I'm with a friend or somebody, and, hey, this is Ken Sommerfeld, or, and the person sort of shakes your hand and looks at you. And they're like looking at you, like I, I know, I know you. How do I know you? And they they can't picture it. They don't know how to place it. They don't know where it's from. But they're, it's probably just because they've listened to Brewers baseball and have heard the name. So they think they know you, or you know, they think you know you from somewhere else. And then if you're talking in general conversation a little bit later, all of a sudden they ask you what you do, blah blah blah. And then they, oh, that's where I know you from. You're a guy in, you're in the Brewers baseball. So, because I get mentioned, I make too many mistakes. My name gets said <laughs> too many times, and uh, that's how I how, how your name gets on the air, I guess. Yeah, well, I haven't done it for quite some time, and you know the Brewers baseball does occupy that, as you know, during the summertime in spring training for seven months. It's on basically almost every night, except for some nights, you know, where there's off days. But basically, Brewers baseball is on for seven months straight. Yeah, so that that leads me right into the next thing. How weird is this for you? Is it, you've been doing this with the Brewers since 1986. We should be in the middle of playing baseball right now, and we're not. This is one of the weirdest things. How are you, uh, I don't know if coping is the right word, but how are you uh, handling everything that's going on right now? Well, you're just trying to actually almost like find time to fill time. You know, um, you know, you can do so much stuff at your home, and you know, you got to find projects or yard work and things like that. But, you know, the, the thing is, you're missing the things that you you like doing. I mean, I enjoy going to the ballpark or going to an arena and doing what I do. And it's fun. And especially in winning seasons, it's really fun because you just can't wait to get to the ballpark or to, a, to an arena on that given day when your team is in the hunt. And when you don't have it, you don't really realize, you know, we're all guys that work in the business and working in baseball. You're like, Oh man, we got 162 games. We got 30 some in spring training. That's a long season, you know, 190 some games through the course of seven months. But then you're not there every day like we are now, and you don't realize, or you didn't realize, probably how much you were going to miss it. And you now know that, hey, you were. I for me, this is I don't speak for myself. I really miss it. I miss going to the ballpark. I miss the camaraderie. That's probably. More so than the game sometimes is the camaraderie with the people you work with, the people you see every day at the ballpark, you know, whether it's the ushers, the locker room guys, the trainers, you know, the players, the fellow media people, you know, people that work up in the press box area. I mean, there's so many people, front office people, you know, different departments, people that you see every single day. You're not seeing every single day now. And it's it's sort of like you're in high school, you graduated, and you go your or you, the school year ends, I should say, and you go away for like three months, and then you come back to school in the fall, and you see everybody again. Well, we sort of saw everybody a little bit 
in spring training, but not everybody because we weren't at Miller Park. So it seems like we're on summer break again until the baseball season will start. Yeah, somebody asked me the other day what I miss most, and I think they were expecting a baseball answer, and I said I miss my friends. Like the in baseball is such yeah. a weird thing, and I don't know people who don't work in it don't totally understand where you can have these close relationships with people, and then the baseball season ends, and you basically don't talk to them, maybe an occasional text or something, but then the baseball season starts, and it's like you were with them the, the day before. It's it's kind of an odd thing. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, when the baseball season starts, I spend more time with Bob Uecker, Jeff uh, Levering, Lane Ringle, and other people than I do with my family, my wife, or my kids. Because I'm just with them more every single day. You know, and, it's you know, you also put in the fact that you're traveling, so you're gone half the time you're on the road, but you're on the road with those people. You know, Jeff, Lane, and Bob. And, and other media people and players and personnel. So you're spending so much more time with those people during those seven months than you are in your own actual home for seven months. So it, it, it's a little, it, it's a little way where you bond over the, that seven months. And like you said, you know, I, I talked to Jeff and Lane and you and all those guys in the off season. And, you know, we text or we have a group call once in a while or something. And now with the zoom thing, we could even go a little bit farther, but we haven't got there yet. Um, but, yeah, we, we talk to each other and, you know, we stay in touch. But during the season, it's every day. You're talking with them, seeing, working with them every single day. So, you, like I said, you spend more time with them than you really do with your families. But, you know, if you have to get along. You know, if you don't get along, man, that can be a long season. And I know, and I know I've been in, this, in baseball long enough where you've seen booths that guys don't get along. And then you're wondering, man, how do I, how do I do it? How do they do it day to day to day to day when they're not getting along in the booth? It's just got to be tough. And our, our booth is great. Uh, it really is. And I'm not just saying that because I don't want people to think that's what happens. But our booth is really good. Everybody gets along. Nuke um, is, is the, the one who leads, leads the band. You know, he's sort of our, our lead singer in that sense. But he also understands the dynamics of the booth and he wants to make sure that we're all having fun in the booth. And when I first took the job with you and with the brewers, you know, he told me, he says, Hey, you got a job to do. We got things to do that we got to do every single day. And we're got to be serious about, but we're also going to have fun and we're going to have entertainment. We're going to entertain people in there, but we're going to have fun in the booth as well. That's part of being together as much as we are that if we aren't having fun, you know, it can be a long year. And he's sort of been the ringleader in that way that has allowed the booth to always be like that, you know? And I'm sure you could go through all the announcers, whether it be Pat Hughes, Jim Powell, Corey Provis, you know, uh, Joe Black, Jeff Levering, Lane Grindle. I hope I didn't miss anybody. Um, you know, you could go through all those guys and they would probably say the same thing, that the, the booth is fun. It's a fun place to be. And that's why it makes the grind of a long season not seem like such a grind because of the fun times we have in the booth. Let's go back to Arizona and 
college basketball conference tournaments are going on and we're finding out that the NCAA tournament's going to be played without fans and then all of a sudden it's not going to be played at all and you've got the NBA stopping the season because of uh, Rudy Gobert there with the uh, with, with the Jazz and then all of a sudden baseball makes the decision to put uh, spring training on suspension. All those things basically happened over the course of between 48 and 72 hours as you're sitting there in Arizona, what's it like to really be living through that where you are you're going to be very impacted by what decisions are being made? Well, at first, you're not really sure, Matt, about it, because we didn't know really what we were dealing with. You know, you're talking about this COVID virus and, and what it is, and, and nobody knew to what extent it really was. But once Rudy Gobert came out and was diagnosed as positive in the NBA shutdown, that sort of started the dominoes for everybody else. They were really the ones that shut everything down. And then I think he sort of paid attention to just what this virus was, what it does. And you start reading and listening to the doctors, listening to the science and stuff. And then you sort of understand why they had to shut it down because of the, the way the virus spread. Um, and it's just, it, it just changed everything. You know, it, you're just so used to, and this is probably in all sports, and I'm sure you're the same way with what you do in all your shows and stuff and doing your play-by-play with UW-Green Bay. Uh, you know, you get into a routine. There's things you do to prepare. And once you're into that routine and it starts, you're fine. It's good. But all of a sudden it was just halted in the middle of spring training. You know, we're doing games, and then all of a sudden you're hearing these ripples in, in a really short time when you're talking about from when you heard about it to when it was shut down, a really short time of what could happen. And next thing you know, it's all right, we're shutting down. Nah, we're going to stay here for a little bit. Next thing you know, we're not staying here for a little bit. Everybody go home. We're not going to have any more spring training. The season is not going to start. It was, it was just, it wasn't like a gradual thing in a sense. It was more of like, okay, here it is. But the domino started tipping and started falling quick. And the next thing you know, you're sitting at home like I am. I'm sitting at home. I've got no baseball, no no ballpark to go to. And then, you know what? That's not, that's not the end of the world. Of course, I want to be at the ballpark. The most important thing is there's so many more people in essential jobs that, you know, are out there in the field. My wife's a nurse. Um, and they're out there. you got to give them 100% kudos to the people that are going out to work every day and putting themselves at risk, you know, whether it be in, in a hardware store, whether it be a police officer, a firefighter, a nurse, a first responder, you know, all these people in the essential businesses that are still open that people are going to in, in, in performing their job with a high risk, you know, with the pop, you know, many people coming across their path. So uh, the, the key and the foremost key in the whole thing is let's get this hopefully behind us and people are healthy. find a way to, to, to beat this COVID virus, whether it be through medicine, vaccinations, or vaccines, or whatever, and we can move forward. But it, moving forward will be different. Uh, you, you know that. I know that. It's just going to be different. It's just going to be a matter of time before things ever probably, if maybe, it never get back to what they used to be like. Kind of an odd logistical question for you. The radio equipment, it generally travels with the team. I know there was a uh, – Jeff had told me there was a, a bus basically where people could throw some stuff, but the team said we don't know when this is going to get to Milwaukee. Where's the radio equipment right now? It's at Miller Park. Okay. 
It's a, it's in the case at the park where it usually is stored. When uh, we come back from road trips, we usually put it in one place, so I, I know where it is. Uh, the equipment guy, Jason Schauger, who does a great job, he always puts it in one place. So when I get back, or we get back from a road trip, like let's say we get in at like 2 in the morning and we got a game the next night. Well, then I can come in the next day and get to the ballpark like 2, 3 o'clock and go find the equipment because I know where it is. It's probably still sitting there, to tell you the truth, because it probably hasn't been moved. So, so it's probably sitting in the very same place. It will come off a road trip. So you guys use different equipment during the spring? No, it's the same equipment. Okay. So we we use the equipment that we have in spring training. It's a big black case full of equipment that we haul around from ballpark to ballpark and set up each day at games in spring training. And during the season, you set it up for the series and you don't leave everything out overnight, but you put some stuff away, lock it up. So it doesn't disappear, but for the most part, yeah, same same equipment that gets used in spring training as well as uh, during the regular season and the postseason. Continuing to be joined by uh, Kent Sommerfeld, the uh, engineer for uh, Brewers Baseball. Kent, the, your job and what you do, it's not just the in-game broadcast where you're turning on microphones, queuing commercials, all that sort of stuff. Can you talk to me a little bit about your day and everything that goes into uh, your position? Because I know your work starts well before the actual broadcast begins. Yeah, well, you know, you get to the ballpark fairly early, considering the game starts at 7 o'clock. I'm usually there by 3, 3.30 at the latest. First day, which is what I call a set day, is where you have to set all the equipment, whether it's at home or on the road. Um, you have to set up the equipment so I get there even earlier because I just want to set everything up and then get started get started with the routine of what I do on the other stuff. It, it's sort of like an you're sort of like an office manager in the booth in the sense that you're gonna have all these promotions that we gotta get in, all these contests we gotta get in. I keep a scoreboard of games on a league. I print stories for the announcers like all, you know, baseball news stories. You know, not that they don't go to the the internet themselves and look. They do. But I also print a packet of stories usually so they can just read some of the stories and, and whatnot that they may have read or may not have read, you know. And then, you know, there's just a lot of logistical stuff, like I said, with promotions, contestants, kind of things that we incorporate in the broadcast. And then during the, the game, you know, I'm incorporating that stuff while I'm also searching, watch, watching all the other games through a, a scoreboard, and I actually translate them to a score sheet to simplify it in the sense where I don't put all the information you'd see online if you went to the MLB scoreboard or you go to ESPN scoreboard, whatever scoreboard you use, you know, I just put pitchers, home runs, and the score, the running score. So if, if like you wants the scoreboard, he'll, he'll, hey, can I have the scoreboard? I hand him the scoreboard and it's up to date because I keep it up to date as we're going along throughout the course of the ball game. Hmm. So that that's one of the things that I work with the guys in the pregame with Jeff and Lane and Bob to organize the pregame, you know, okay, we've got a manager show how long the manager show has just got a pregame interview with a player. Okay. Now we got back time things and we've got this much time to do this sponsored section or this much time to do this news and notes section. So it's all time up and we know how many breaks we have. Cause you know, we've got to always be aware of when the national anthem is played um, and when the first pitch is played. So you sort of back time everything according to those. So you're not caught missing the first pitch. That's that's the number one rule. That that is the number one rule. And it's happened a couple times and it's that's the number one rule. Do not miss the first pitch. Make sure you're back for the first pitch. 
you know, because you can get caught sometimes where you time things out and something goes wrong or something happens. And next thing you know, you get to that last commercial break before you're coming back live to the first pitch and it's late, you know, so we, that's, that's really key not to miss that first pitch. And then, like I said, during the game, you just incorporate all the stuff that you prepare for before the game, all the stuff that you did and you, you incorporate it into the game. Certain innings have certain promotions, certain contests and things are sponsored. A lot of things in the broadcast, as you probably well know, the listeners know, you know, you hear this this double sponsored by this, this is a home run sponsored by that, stolen base sponsored by this company. There's so many things that are sponsored that the announcers, their job is to worry about the play-by-play, calling the game on the field. All that other stuff to get into the broadcast is my responsibility to get it to them. Not that they don't know some of it off the top of the head, because once you do it enough, it becomes automatic, but I'm still there to remind them or give them cue cards and say, okay, here's this for this, here's this for that. And, you know, just to make sure the sponsors are taken care of because they're helping pay the bills. And then we do the game and then we do a post-game show before your post-post-game show. Um, you know, we do the post-game show and we coordinate that with, if we're at home, we, we try to get players in the post-game show so the Brewers win. You mentioned never missing the first pitch at the start of the broadcast, and uh, that is something that 99.9% of the time it does uh, turn out that way, but there is always that rare situation where something goes a little haywire and for some reason you're not back in time uh, for that first pitch. So the first time that ever happened to you, like, do you, do you remember it well? Was it early on in your career? What's the, what's the reaction you're getting in the booth when uh, the uh, broadcast is a little late coming back and it happens uh, after first pitch has already taken place? No, no I remember. <laughs> no, I remember. I just remember the death stares that I got because we missed. We came back and the the first pitch was already thrown, and it wasn't a screaming. It wasn't a yelling match, but it was discussed afterwards. Saying that's one thing we cannot miss. We need to be back before the first pitch because guys just need time to tee things up. You know, you can be back five minutes before a first pitch, and that's too much time, you know, because you got a whole pregame show that's 35 minutes before you come back before the first pitch. So you get a lot of stuff out, but there's also right before the first pitch where you want to set up all right. It's a cloudy night, you know, 72 degrees here at Miller Park, and, you know, on the hill is, you know, whomever, you know, Brandon Woodruff is on the hill, and, you know, the the play-by-play guy wants to sort of set the scene a little bit, so he needs a little bit of time before the first pitch. You don't want to come back and, and now the first pitch, you know. And, and it, sometimes you are close. It happens. But there's, there's we try to keep it to a, a big, big minimum. And I, I, I could probably say on one hand the amount of times in the 35 years we've done this that we missed the first pitch. You also mentioned the uh, the cue cards. Uh, sometimes Jeff and Lane especially will, will joke a little bit, and you will get in there as well, about uh, the tossing of the card back to you. Of every of those three, who is the best at getting that card back to you? Uh, you, you can, Jeff, are the good good throwers. And uh, I'm going to throw Lane under the bus. Lane has problems throwing those cue cards back. <laughs> I don't know why he's got problems. <laughs> I mean, they're just – they're, they're there, there are no cards inside plastic holders, you know, so they're a little heavier once they're inside the plastic holder, and you can just sort of flick your wrist, and, you know, and float them back, because usually we use two-tiered booths where the announcers get down one level and on a level behind them. Never really, I realize, parallel across, except in spring training sometimes, but usually we're in a two-tier booth, 
and I'm on the next level. So, you know, they can toss them back up to me. You know, this lane, we got, we're, we're, we're working, we're getting lane. He's getting better, but we're working on lane to get, to get the practice of, you know, looking at wrist. So you just get a nice soft toss, you know, and sometimes they come in hard and they come in hot too, you know, and if I'm not looking, I, I can sometimes get one in the, in the old noggin or in the chest or something. If I'm doing something else and all of a sudden they turn around and just flick it and I wasn't prepared for it, but but it's, it's fun. You know, it just keeps us, keeps us on our toes. What, um, what do you see from Bob Euchre on a day in day out basis that maybe the average person out there doesn't know about him? I think his genuine love for baseball. It's, he loves coming to the ballpark. He loves the game of baseball and he realizes that baseball has given him tons in life, and he he loves giving back in the way to the fans by those fans who listen to the broadcast. He just enjoys sitting in the chair, broadcasting the game, telling stories, and giving back that way in baseball. You know, he he, he had what like an eight nine year career. It wasn't a, a career that was you know, Hall of Fame, you know, that's been made light of over the years by himself and many others. But he he enjoys the game so much, and he enjoys the camaraderie in the booth. He's really protective of the booth and the guys in the booth in that sense. You know, he just enjoys the friendships that we have in the booth and working together and being with the people, you know, we get to work with every day, like Jane, my job myself, Lane, and you, that's us four basically in the booth for the most part on a daily basis, you know, and he just, he, he, he genuinely, genuinely loves the game of baseball, coming to the park, and, and just being part of it every day. There's even kind of when we're on the road, and he's not traveling in the last, what, three, four years, he hasn't traveled as much, um, it's been limited, but he still goes into the ballpark on days that we're on the road. And he goes in there partly to work out because they have a swim X and a pool that he can uh, use. Not a full pool, but it's it's like a, a swim X, a current pool that he because he's a swimmer, so that's how he stays in shape. Uh, he uses that pool, but then he goes around and he to the different departments, hangs out with the guys that are in the clubhouse that day, the guys who are in the in the warehouse that day, or the the other different people that work in different departments. You know, he may see them because that that's that's. That's where he's been going for so many years. That's who he is. It's it's ingrained him. It's part of him, and he just you know he he just enjoys it. And you know he he I'm sure he misses it in the off season. I'm sure he likes to get away a little bit once the off season's done or starts. You know you like to get away and sort of recharge your batteries. I think that's a, it could be said for all of us. But after for me at least, it's probably when you turn the calendar and then I start thinking more about baseball again, when you're getting into the new year mm-hmm. in January and you're thinking, okay, a couple months, a month and a half, we're going to get ready to go down to spring training, you know. Uh, and fortunately, I also get to work basketball with Marquette basketball, some NBA basketball, some women's basketball as well with the Big East. So I do have some stuff that fills my time. But usually, once you get into January, you start, the gear starts saying, okay, baseball's not too far off. Let's get ready to go for baseball in about a month and a half. So uh, they're very blessed, very fortunate to do what I do, Matt, and to work with the people that I work with. And you can work in any environment, any job, whatever you do. There can be a lot of bad apples or some bad people in those jobs. I'll tell you what, for the most part, I have been so, so fortunate, especially in the booth, to work with really good people and to have good relationships with all those people. 
you mentioned the basketball, so you're working with Yuka and one end, and then you're working with Homer with uh, with uh, Marquette men's basketball and those broadcasts. So it, you do stay busy, and there's a there's a lot going on for you throughout the course of the year. Yeah, I mean basketball's a different it's a different sport. You know, there's a clock in basketball. You know, there's four quarters. It's not like nine innings could take three and a half hours one day. Nine innings can take two hours and forty minutes one day. But it's it's different with basketball. You know, you have a clock, and, and college basketball to me is so much fun because it's just the atmosphere. You go into an arena. It's a lot of young kids in there. The student sections. And whatnot, you have season ticket holders, of course. But college basketball has such a great little vibe about it, you know, because of the youth that's involved. And the kids are amateurs. They're not pros, you know, and they're going to make mistakes. And then you see such excitement, you know, from those kids when they're playing a game and such good things happen sometimes and they get so excited. And it's just it's a lot of fun to watch. And, again, I get to work with good guys here. Homer's great. Tony Smith is great. Jim McElvain was great. Um, and George Thompson was great. I mean, again, uh, good guys, and they're fun to work with. And, you know, you, you're in a Milwaukee market, and you, you know this as well as anybody, Matt. In a Milwaukee market, you know, you can't really be bringing guys that have huge egos that, you know, think they're it and they're the man, they're the show, everything revolves around them. It just doesn't work in the Milwaukee market. You know, people that listen or watch TV and sports and radio and sports in Milwaukee, they can sense that. They, they know. They're a pretty good judge of character. And they just, that, that kind of person doesn't fly in Milwaukee. And over the years, you've listened to a lot of great guys broadcasting sporting events in Milwaukee, whether you go back to, you know, Eddie Doucette. I, I remember as a kid growing up listening to Eddie Doucette. And his his lingo, his basketball lingo was great across the equator. You know, dump it down into the land of the Giants. I mean, he had his own glossary, his own terms for basketball game. And as a fan, and that, you know, I'm talking, I'm a, a teenager in high school and, and even younger than that. And that was Eddie Doucette, who was the man on the radio. You know, yeah, Jim Irwin was doing the Packers and, and, the, and doing some Badgers and, and whatnot. And, you know, you had other guys, Bob Bach and guys doing Marquette basketball. I mean, there's so many voices that have been part of the Milwaukee sportscasting scene. And there's so many good people now working, and there's so many more people because there's so many more sports stations right now. I mean, if you would have told me, Matt, in my time, that there would be like three or four sports stations in Milwaukee at one time, all broadcasting and still broadcasting with a full slate of broadcast shows throughout the day, you know, with not all of them having the ability to have like MLB baseball or NBA or football all on their station. I would say, man, that, this market, that would seem tough, but mm -hmm. it's, it's such a passionate market. The, the sports fan in Milwaukee is so passionate and they've been really fortunate in, in some senses because you think about the Packers and I'm just going over the last 30 years. I mean, sure they had that long drought, but the last, 30 years, they, they've had some really successful teams, and now the Bucks have turned it around, and they've been successful. The Brewers have been good over the last, you know, 10, 10 to 12 years. You can go back to when they first got back into the playoffs in 2008, and since then, you know, they, they've been pretty good after the 26-year drought where they didn't get to the playoffs. They've been pretty competitive for the most part, and so the 
Bucks, the Packers, the Brewers, the Badgers have been great in football. The Badgers basketball, two Final Fours. Marquette been to the Final Four with Dwayne Wade. I mean, you think of so many teams. Milwaukee Admirals have been a, a perennial uh, success on the ice in the uh, IHL. I mean, and for the passionate hockey fan base that's here, that, that's been great for them. You know, the soccer's been good. I mean, there's just so many sports that have been good in the Milwaukee market that people should feel pretty fortunate to say, hey, I've been able to fall a lot of winners. Yeah, and yeah. then smooth for the most part. There's been a lot of winners. All right, last thing for you. You've been very gracious with your time. Uh, your son played uh, played some college baseball, I believe, at St. Louis, and then on to Clemson, and is in the Tigers organization. Uh, I, I'm giving you know, brag on him a little bit, and also tell me uh, a bit about uh, how this whole period for him is going as a minor league baseball player without uh, a place to be right now. Yeah, it's it's tough for him because this is really going to be his first full season in the minors. He played uh, last summer for about a month um, with the Tigers in their rookie league. He went down to Lakeland, Florida. Yeah, he didn't get drafted. He he was a little bummed about that. He thought he was going to get drafted, and he had talked to scouts and whatnot, and he didn't get drafted. But he got signed as an undrafted free agent by the Tigers, and so he went down and pitched in the rookie league. You know, okay, Not, you know, wasn't. Super great, but wasn't bad. And he had an ERA under four. I think it was like three seven five, uh, something in that neighborhood, in the month that he was down there. So, you know, he was really looking forward to getting back this spring and getting started and getting assigned to like one of the, the leagues, whether it be high A or low A. Probably low A would be my guess. But you know, he went down to spring training on March first, and the official spring training for the Tigers minor leagues is. Throughout baseball and MLB, the minor leagues don't start till later, like mid 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 March to like late March. They have a little shorter spring training, but they also have a shorter season, so they don't have to start as early as big league guys. For the most part, there are guys that get invited to spring camps, but he wasn't one of those guys, anyways. So he got down there early, and he was throwing and working out with all these other players and stuff at the, in Lakeland, Florida. You know, and next thing you know, things are getting called. They said, well, you guys just stay here. We're going to keep you guys here and work out. Three days later, they said, well, you guys can go home. Nobody's going to be staying here anymore. So he sort of been in St. Louis now by his mom. Um, and he's trained because that's where he's trained because he did go to school in St. Louis. And then he went to Clemson and played there. Um, he's been in St. Louis training with another guy who's in the Toronto Blue Jays organization. They're sort of workout buddies, workout partners. He's a starter in a... He's been up to double A. I think he would have been in triple A this year for the Blue Jays. So him and Luke have been working out. Nick and Luke have been. And they've been, they've been you know, just going to the high school field and to some other fields and just doing the work and doing the weight work and doing everything. But they've been able to get back to this just Friday. And he was able to get back to his training complex where he trains, a place called P3. And he's been able to go back to P3 now and train. And he's uh, he's happy there because he sent me a video today. And he, he goes, Dad, did you see the video? I'm like, no, Luke, I was just uh, walking. Actually, I was hiking with my other son. We went outside and went to a park and hiked with our wives, my wife and his girlfriend. And he goes, did you see the video? I said, no, no. He goes, well, stop. Go, go, go look at the video. I'm like, okay. So I look at the video and I see him throwing the ball, you know, like a crow hop throw and throwing it on the mound. And 
I'm like, okay. I, I hear all this hooting and hollering, but I'm like, I, I don't know what you guys are hooting and hollering. I don't see it done. I don't see anything. And all of a sudden, I watched it again, and way in the background, there's a, a, a speed gun on the wall. It registers the speed of the, the threat pitch. Now, this was with a four-ounce ball, which is a little bit lighter than a major league ball because a major league ball is like five ounces, five and a quarter ounces. They're not – I don't know why this is. This is a great mystery why every major league baseball isn't the exact same weight, but I guess they vary just a tad. However, a five-ounce baseball is a major league baseball, four-ounce baseball he was training with. So he did that little curl hop throw towards – towards the catcher, and it can last 108 miles an hour. Hmm. That's something. And I said, what? I said, I said that's, it's not a standstill. It's not on a mound, but it's just like, so he was really jacked about that because he had just been finishing his weight training, weighted ball training, to strengthen his arm. And he was just really jacked about that. He said, of course, that's not on the mound, but I guess everybody was hooting and hollering because that's pretty, I guess, when, when they do that, that must be a really good number. Yeah. You know? But I, I, I said, well, that was a regular ball. And he goes, no, it was a four-ounce ball. But then he threw a five-ounce ball, which is a regular ball, and he hit 104. So and he doesn't throw that hard, but he, he can get it up to 95, 96 off the mound. You know, not all the time, but he sits more, probably 91 to 93. But he, he can get it up in, uh, to the 95, 96 mile an hour once in a while. So hopefully the strength training is getting even a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, yeah. He's mature. He's only twenty three years old, so he's still young, um, and he's he's played a lot of baseball in his life. You know, he's played a lot of college ball and summer ball. He played with the Chinooks for three seasons, and so and then last year in the minors. So he's ready to go. He he's he's chomping at the bit, man. As you might well imagine, you know, here's a young kid thinking this is going to be the start of something you know, that he's going to get to play this summer and it's going to be his first full season traveling, playing ball, and all of a sudden the pandemic hits. So um, he's just got to temper himself and just be patient like the rest of us do. Yeah, I hope That's he's... not always easy to do. No, it's, it's, it's certainly not. And I hope he's playing baseball. I hope the Brewers are playing baseball. I hope we're seeing each other at the ballpark uh, all the time uh, very soon. But... Uh, until that happens, Kent, uh, really cool. Thank you for taking so much time. Uh, this was uh, a very fun conversation. Hey, it was my pleasure. Great talking to you, Matt. And you do such a great job in all that you do and so many things that you do. And I look forward to listening to you and continue good work, continued success. And then for your family, stay healthy. I know you still got that. You got that little one. I think I saw your, 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 uh, um, uh, child at, where was it that, uh, the, the Brewers Fest was that two years ago. Um, I don't know if I brought her you, out there. Uh, maybe I, it's just maybe it was just you and your wife or something. I, I thought I saw you out in the lobby one day at Brewers Fest. I brought her. Uh, I brought her to a game once. My wife and her came to a game at one point. So it may have been last year during the year that I I I brought her around the press box and tried to show her off to everybody. Oh, maybe, so that might have been it. Maybe yeah, it was that. So yeah, that's where we are. Yeah. Well, but you guys, you guys stay safe, stay healthy, and again, continued success for yourself. Same to you. And again, we appreciate uh, what your wife is doing, working uh, on the front line. And uh, yeah, I just hope that we're uh, playing baseball sooner than later. I agree. I'm with you.
Kent Sommerfeld joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. That was a fun conversation, and I'm glad that I was able to catch you. You hear his name all the time. For some of you out there who have maybe never heard from him, I hope uh, you were able to enjoy that and now put a voice to a name, a name that you hear on Brewers Radio Broadcast uh, all the time. All right, uh, so we are continuing to run our Brewers Classics on WTMJ on Wednesday. Wednesday nights. This upcoming Wednesday, May 13th, we got a good one. We are going to go back to 2018 and the NLDS game number one against the Rockies where uh, Mike Moustakis had the walk-off hit. And uh, that was fun. That was a game that I recently watched because when the scheduled opening day took place. Major League Baseball on their YouTube channel did uh, you know, opening day at home, and they played great games from team's history, and that was one of the games that they uh, they played. I remember it was on at like 7.30 in the morning. That was a fun game to watch, and now it's going to be a fun game for you to be able to uh, listen to, and our coverage is set to begin at 6 o'clock this Wednesday night. Game 1, 2018, NLDS against the Rockies. So make sure to uh, be tuned in if you are in the WTMJ listening area. From a geographic standpoint, you can also uh, stream the game at WTMJ.com. My appreciation to Kent Sommerfeld for joining us on the podcast. My appreciation to you for listening to the podcast. And uh, make sure to uh, stay safe feels like maybe we're starting to turn a corner I don't you know knock on wood things can turn around in a in a hurry based off just everything that's happened so far but man oh man it really does seem like we're starting to turn a corner in terms of sports uh, starting to happen baseball uh, not right around the corner but at least again like I said earlier light at the end of the tunnel and we're starting to get an indication on how long or how far that tunnel goes and that's some good news we'll see what the news is next week because it changes on an every week basis thanks so much for being tuned in we'll talk to you next week for another edition of brewers extra Innings, the podcast powered by wtmj mobile thanks for listening to brewers extra innings the podcast matt will be back next week with another episode For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.